That's always a little awkward. Um, but I have to tell you, I'm extremely humbled to be here. Uh, I highly respect Pastor Aaron, the elders, the deacons. Uh, the Lord's moving through our leadership. And I just want to honor them and just say it, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm extremely humbled to be here. Um, you know, my wife and I, we've been here for uh, 16 years. Uh, I was on staff here for a couple years, and this church has been extremely supportive of Time to Revive, and I just, first and foremost, just want to say thank you. Thanks for sending us out to do the work of the ministry. Uh, everybody has their different roles, different callings, and uh, ours has been to go. And so actually, this has been one of my first Sundays I've been here this summer, uh, just because I've been gone uh, a lot. But you know, uh, just recently, uh, at the beginning of July, I turned 40, and uh, well, I mean, you can clap, but it, why? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, 40. Here, here's the deal. So my wife thought she'd be fun, and so she sent some, some cards, some notes to some friends and to some family that said, hey, could you give Kyle a one word of encouragement? And so, you know, I got these one words of encouragement, and, you know, they're super uplifting, and they're really encouraging. I'm like, oh, this is great. And then I got the one word that you're like, what were they thinking? <laughs> I got the word coal. C-O-A-L, coal. Like, anybody want to get that one for your word? So I actually sought the Lord. I'm up in Minnesota. Uh, let, let me back up first. So this is what she wrote. If you'll put this quote, she wrote this to Laura. She's one of our team members at Time Revive. I totally trust her. And she wrote, as I argued with the Lord about the word coal, thinking as the world thinks nobody wants coal in their stocking. That was my first thought. Uh, the Lord, meaning he gently reminded this lady, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and I am the giver of good gifts. So she trusted what she heard from the Holy Spirit, and she released this word coal and said, you figure it out, <laughs> right? So I'm up in northern Minnesota. I'm in the woods, literally, and my wife and I and our kids, we get to go up there once a year. I love it up there. You play bingo twice a week. You know, you're out there fishing. It's just, it's just kind of you get to check out. I'm with one of my best friends from college. I'm with my in-laws. Like, it's just a, it's a really, it's a precious time of just checking out. So every morning I would try to go walking. And as I was walking, I was like, okay, God, what does this word coal mean? And I just, I couldn't shake it. You know, sometimes you'd like just blow it off, whatever. I knew in my spirit, this was from the Lord. And so I, I'm naturally just thinking about like when I'm on planes and I travel overseas, I always save like the good movies for the airplane. So if people go watch it, I'm like, oh, that's an airplane movie. Like I just kind of have that. And some of them have been about coal miners. And so I'm like, okay, I think about coal miners are getting dirty and all this stuff. And I'm like, nah, that's, that, that can't be, that can't be it. And then it was like, okay, then I travel, you know, in the United States, when you're going through certain parts of the States, you see these, these uh, trains and they're just chucked full of coal to the brim. And so I'm like, okay, God, is this about energy, electricity, you know, like you name it. And I was like, nah, that just can't be it. And then, and then I, then I was like, well, maybe like, this is not the Lord, just so you know, this is just me talking out loud. Okay. My parents own an Ace Hardware in northern Indiana, and uh, I grew up, and I was behind the counter, and I'd sell everything you can think of. And one of them was the blue and white bags. Anybody know what I mean by the blue and white bags? Charcoal. What's the brand name? Kingsford. Kingsford. I don't work for them, so it's not a plug, but uh, <laughs> like I just automatically, I came to the word Kingsford, and then it was just like, <laughs> I just went to a different place. And then I just saw this, literally this image of a charcoal fire. And I don't know, like, you know when the scripture talks about meditating on the word night and day? That's because the word is inside of you. It's really hard for the Holy Spirit to speak to you unless you're in this. 
And so I got this phrase, charcoal fire, and I was like, okay, God, I'm automatically, I'm going to go right to the scripture. Where can I find charcoal fire? And I kind of had an image, and I kind of had a thought, but I'll be honest, I, I'm not a Greek scholar, so I started reading up on Greek. In fact, I had to teach myself how to say this, anthrakia, okay? I even did the, you know, the thing, they, they pronounced it to you, anthrakia. And so, like, I taught myself by Kia, the car, that's how you announce it. Two times, anthrakia is actually in all of the Old and the New Testament, two times. The first time is this. The first time comes, actually, I'm going to light this, just so you know, I already cleared this with Dallas Bible. There is a fire extinguisher around the corner, and it's very fitting for Create Week, right? So anyway, okay, so here's, <laughs> okay, just roll with me for a second, okay? Uh, in John 18, 18, there's a scenario about a disciple named Peter, and uh, Jesus said, We'll get into a little bit more of the details down the road, but Jesus had just been arrested, and Peter is warming his hands by a charcoal fire. And I was like, when I was reading this in Minnesota, I was like, oh, that's not from the Lord. <laughs> like, who would give you a word coal and then say, oh, yeah, that's your life, right? Well, John 18, 18, that's one of the scenarios. Then, okay, then I, I researched the other word, anthrakia, again, still in the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay, first four books of the New Testament. You, know, you say these kind of things like, well, of course we know that. You guys, the more I travel and get out all over the country, do you know how biblically illiterate our people are becoming? I'm not saying like necessarily the church, I'm just talking about like culture. And so in John 21, 9, it talks about there's another charcoal fire. And this other charcoal fire uh, it's, it's actually the complete opposite of that one. This charcoal fire is, is when the disciples, it's really a beautiful picture. Jesus has already come back to life, the death, burial, and resurrection. Now they're at the Sea of Galilee, one of my favorite places in all of Israel, outside of maybe Jerusalem, the city of David, God's own home, is that Jesus is on the side of Lake Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee, and his disciples just hauled in a crazy amount of fish. And what do you know? Jesus... The next thing you know is making breakfast, literally, this is what it says, around a charcoal fire. So I'm going to talk about two fires today. Now, I'll tell you this, this image here, I have no problem telling you, is for my life. But as I continue to seek the Lord on this fire and that fire, you can call them whatever you want. We'll come up with different names. This is the fire of refinement for me. And then over there is the fire of restoration. I'm going to walk through the process of this to over there in my own life, and Lord willing, maybe he'll speak to you. That's my prayer. But I want to just kind of walk through this and explain this because this is very real. Somebody prayed about a word for me, a word of encouragement. It was coal. I sought the Lord. I sought scripture. I went to scripture. I found the phrase charcoal fire, and the Lord said, here we go. Now, just as a backdrop, because it's Create Week, Maya, you know, she ended up volunteering with worship and sports and agility. Nadia ended up helping out with cooking, uh, which Kristen Poole, you guys are awesome, and, and Jennifer Griggs, they love, she loved that, and Kinder, you, Darren Kinder did great with sports. He carried bales of hay all the time. Uh, Sayla did interior decorating, and she loved her teachers, and she's ready to design anything. Uh, you, are you taking bids, Sayla? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Logan's. She's for hire. And then, uh, then there's Jude. Jude's my little sketcher, and so he got to do sketch, and he loved it. And all of these people. And so like, it was this creative week, and it was just kind of a fun process for a family. So then it just kind of started triggering to me, do you know how to make charcoal, Kyra? So I thought, well, do I know how to make charcoal? So we, we tried it, actually. 
it's really awkward to make charcoal. <laughs> Just let it be known, I'm a propane gas guy. I don't use charcoal, but we made it, and so did our clothes, and so did my wife's arm. Uh, she's okay, but it's a process. Uh, but all of that, because I, when I say the Lord gives me something, I really want to immerse myself in saying, what are you saying to me? So today, I don't know if part of this word is for you, but I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit would just breathe new life into you today about this. I have no problem telling you, my prayer always is for somebody to be revived in who they are in the Lord. If that can get you closer to looking like him, we've done an incredible job because the Spirit is a mighty God. And so, Father, I'm just going to pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would take these two fires, take the Word of God, and speak. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so first and foremost, one of the things you got to understand about getting to these fires or going through these fires is you always have to have a starting point. The starting point is pretty simple. Every one of you has been called to Christ. Like, it doesn't matter what fire you're in, you have to have an understanding. Your identity must be rooted in Him first and foremost. If your identity, okay, hear this, is rooted in your denial, if your identity is rooted in the fish, you completely missed it. Your identity has to be rooted in Him first. When I say Him, I'm talking about embracing Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And it is not a religious thing, you guys. It's a relationship deal. When you begin to embrace that, you'll understand the rest of the message. If you're just processing what that looks like, please understand it is first and foremost. I mean, look at Peter. Over and over throughout the Gospels, Jesus is calling Peter. And in fact, if we can go to one of these verses for me, Leo. You know, one of these verses is just very simple. This is one of the times he was called. He says, as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Here's what I have to say. It's really important to understand the two fires. You have to understand you've been called. Or the fires will totally eat you alive. You have to find your identity. I'm going to say it over and over and over again. You have to find your identity in his calling. If you find it in your job, it will be fleeting. If you find it, here it is, in your marriage, it actually doesn't last. Not that the marriage doesn't last. Somebody's always going to disappoint you. If you put it into your kids, guess what? They're kids. I love you, guys. But they're kids. If you put it, ready for this, into your pastor and your elders, it still doesn't work. And then you know what you do? You just go to another church. I'm tired of church shopping. That's why we said when we came, we're, we're just, we're here. Nobody's perfect. Amen? Elders, you should say it, because it gives you freedom then to be who you are. That's the reality, you guys. So when you find your identity in Christ, you're actually okay with other people and where they're at in life. And so for me, Peter understood this. Think about all the journeys Peter's on. Peter actually walked on water. Anybody ever tried it? <laughs> yeah, of course. Why, why wouldn't you try it? Just have somebody there ready. <laughs> You know, think about the feeding of the 5,000. You know, Peter got to experience ridiculous miracles. How about raising up of the widow's son from death to life? (laughs) It's real, you know. In Matthew 10, he sends them out to raise the dead, to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. But none of that happens unless you find your identity in, in the Lord. 
So you have to embrace you've been called. Now, here's where it gets really kind of interesting. In fact, Peter in Matthew 16, it even says this. Peter was one of the only guys in the New Testament that actually understood who Christ was. He says, oh, by the way, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus even says, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. So he is clearly getting a revelation from the Lord. So when I say he's been called, there's a moment that Peter says, I've been called. you got to understand, you guys, it's really, really key as followers of Yeshua, followers of Jesus, to find that marker. When was I called? It's important. Or life will throw you up and down. And it will literally become like a wave. And if you're grounded in him, it becomes like this. So in this process, I just want to say one thing, just in regards to this point of being called, you know, one of the things uh, Jesus told his disciples, if you go to John 16, John 16 says, he says, I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. So Jesus's word, can I just tell you this, prevents you from following. But what does that mean? He means that he knows you're probably going to do it. Now, look, (laughs) I have been in churches that have said, please don't say this. Praise the Lord. Our church doesn't say this. This whole thing is true. If you play the game, 95% of it is true, then how do you know the part about Jesus is true? It's either all or none. Like, that's how this thing works. It's either all or none. And so what does he say? I need you to adhere to all of this. Otherwise, stumbling is coming. You want to know why the church is stumbling? Because we're picking this thing apart. We have to believe this thing is true. But that doesn't, that doesn't sound right to people. Look, I'm not here to be politically correct. He said, <laughs> okay, look, this amen can spread, okay? <laughs> I've got a <laughs> Now, look, you have to understand something. Our culture radically needs truth, and you can actually provide this only if you understand you've been called. Now watch as this unfolds, and then it goes to the second point. But Jesus then, he begins to give a word to Peter, or not even to the fire. He begins to give a word to Peter. This is so mind-blowing. They've been best friends, literally Peter, James, and John, right? Best friends with Jesus. I mean, Peter is invited to the Mount of Transfiguration. He's with the big guys, Moses and Elijah. Like, he gets to experience it all. And then at the same time, Jesus has a word from him in John 13. It's a prophetic word. Most people don't ever picture Jesus as a guy releasing prophecy. But look what he does. He he predicts, he prophesies, okay? This is different than the 1 Corinthians 14, okay? This is a different picture of prophecy. So we're not going to get into that, but I just want to make sure you understand this. And then this is what he says. Simon Peter, uh, Jesus says, where are you going? And and Jesus answered, Lord, (laughs) let let me start over. Lord, Simon Peter said to him, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where am I going? You can't follow me now, but you will follow later. Lord Peter asked, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. I mean, this is John 13. He's done life with Jesus. This dude is sold out. I mean, this is the guy who's called the rock. Like, nothing's going to come against Peter. Like, this guy is, I mean, he's the guy. And he tells Jesus, man, I'm going to give up everything. I'm sold out for you, Jesus. And then Jesus speaks a really interesting word into his life. And it's a word nobody wants to hear. And here's what he says. He says, uh, Jesus replied, will you lay down your life for me? I assure you, a rooster will not crow until you've denied me three times. (laughs) 
That's a really bad word. You know, uh, this last year, I can honestly say, my wife would say this as well, probably one of the hardest years of my life. Um, I had a very, very close friend uh, write me uh, a letter um, that I really respect this person. And this person wrote five things in my life that I need to clean up. Okay, imagine one of them, right? You get to the second one, you get to the third one, and by the fifth one, I wanted to throw up. I'm not being funny, not being sarcastic. Uh, it was areas in my life. Look, all of us, if your spouse gives you a word and they say something, a lot of it's true. <laughs> Some of it you don't want to hear. Does anybody ever heard a harsh word and then you get, you, what do you do? You get defensive, right? And you're like, no, 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 no. And you get defensive. You're, you, and then you, you pull back and then you process, right? I got that letter. And it crushed me. Uh, 12 years of doing ministry, and somebody called out pretty much all of my flaws in my life. And it's kind of one of those moments where you're just like, you know, God, I don't really, I don't really like this right now. Just so you know, the areas in my life, just so everybody's clear, it had nothing to do with immorality. There was nothing about other folks involved. It was me and the Lord. And it was somebody that had insight from the Lord that spoke it and released it to me. And so then I had to take this word, similar to what Jesus said, hey, by the way, you've got problems. And I had to say, Lord, is this really of you? And so if you'll go to the next point for me here, Leo, here's what you're going to see is, is the reality is, is every person in this room, your flesh is weak. Like, great. That'll encourage you. But look what Jesus says in Matthew 26. Stay awake. Remember, Jesus is going through this process. He says, stay awake so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So like my heart is in the right place. I actually believe your heart is in the right place as you want to do ministry. But the reality is, is new, uh, how would I say this? Neither you or me are perfect. I don't care if you're in charge of a ministry. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care if you're a mom. I don't care if you're a dad. Nobody's perfect. So I got this letter of five things, not just one, but five. And it was like flesh, 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 flesh. They called out my flesh in every one of these things. And so really, this whole year, my wife and I have been seeking the Lord. What do I do with this thing? And so in this process, uh, <laughs> Romans 8, 13 says, for if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. Can I just tell you this? Sometimes you need friends, sometimes you need Jesus speaking into your life saying, dude, knock it off. But nobody likes that, do you? I don't like it. 12 years, who's to tell, who are you to tell me that I'm in the flesh? And there are certain things when I pulled apart that, was, that felt right from the Lord and other parts, it didn't. And so it's okay to discern those type of things. But overall, the Lord was like, I'm going to refine you in this moment. And I was like, I don't like that. Thanks for the word coal, by the way. <laughs> right? But that's, that's, that's how I've gotten to this point. I had to come to terms. And so here's, here's where it comes down to. If, if, I'm, if I'm Peter, <laughs> I hear this word, and I'm like, apparently Jesus forgot I'm one of the 12. <laughs> apparently, I'm in the inner circle. Does he not know that I've witnessed everything? He's actually entrusted me. There's some keys he's even given me. And so I would do what Peter does. 
There's another phrase up here. It's called self-driven. You know what happens when somebody calls you out? I'll say what I do. I kind of buck up and I say, I'm going to prove them wrong. Anybody? You might not say it out loud. You might not admit it, but I'm going to tell you I'm admitting it. Because I don't want to stay at this fire. And so the reality is, is look what Peter does. Look at the next verse. Peter is so driven to not deny him, he defends him. Just right before the arrest, look what happens. In John 18, 10, then Simon Peter, who had a sword, he drew it, struck the high priest slave, uh, cut off his right ear. Just like that, Peter does the impulse thing. And he cuts off his right ear. Praise the Lord, Jesus is in the business of healing. He just takes the ear and... <laughs> there, there probably wasn't a sound, but... <laughs> I don't know, but here's my point. Even amongst your mess-ups, he'll take care of it. He's bigger than your problems. I won't call on you guys if you're nervous because you're like, don't look at me. So. <laughs> so here's the reality, you guys, is that if this is the scenario, Peter, Peter functioned in his flesh. I actually don't think Peter was like in the wrong in the sense of like, like he really wanted to defend Jesus. I really believe that. The problem was is he did it without consulting Jesus. He did it without asking Jesus. He did it in an impulse, and that's where we get in trouble. Yeah. It's that self-driven, you, it's, it's almost like here it is. Kyle is right here. I'm functioning in the will of God, and then I know what I heard because in April 5th and April 6th of 2001, I was in college as a senior at Taylor University, and for, for two hours, I also don't know how to describe it, I had a Damascus Road experience. The Lord allowed me to graciously hear from him audibly, and he directed my path. And so for those years since 2001, I've been driven. And so every once in a while, as I'm on this path, I just kind of step over here because it, it, it feels like the next step. But I think that's probably, and I know, that's where I got myself in trouble. Does that make sense? Look, it doesn't matter what the scenario is. Our hearts are in the right place, but sometimes we just... We step out in, in our flesh. We'll build this here in a second. But I want you to just to kind of go along with me here in this process. Uh, if you go to the application of this side of the self-driven, because here's, here's what will happen. Pride will always lead to the fall. Always. Uh, part of my Damascus Road in 2001 was that the Lord, I sense from the Spirit, just speaking to my heart about some things. And one of those is my involvement in some other countries. And as my involvement in the other countries, God has opened up doors incredibly. This has been one of the most bizarre years of my life. Uh, I had an opportunity to interact with the prime minister of Kosovo, which he just recently resigned. And I, <laughs> the Lord prompted me to speak forgiveness of the bloodshed over the land of Kosovo and Serbia in a meeting with him. I was so nervous. I got to interact with the first lady of Uganda and the prime minister of Uganda. And, then, and the Lord just kind of kept opening up more and more doors of these government officials. You know what happens, right, when that happens? You just kind of let pride kick in. I didn't identify it as then at that time, just so you know. But as you pull back, the Lord begins to show you those little, little things that are getting in the way. So, so much so, you guys... Uh, look at this. In Matthew 26, Jesus even said, he even prophesied for his disciples, look, tonight all of you will run away because of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. These are the guys that have been running with Jesus and his own are eventually stumbling and scattering. 
I've never studied it where the disciples have fall, or they fell, or they gave in. I and all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm finding comfort in this, because in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. You know what that means? You're not bulletproof, nor am I. Nobody's perfect, and yet, why do we act like we have it all together? Whew. It's a game we play. Do you know that, right? Maybe you don't play the game. But when you go to church to church, city to city, government official to government official, country to country, you kind of sometimes get stuck in that. And so in this process, uh, Peter fell hard. And I have to tell you, so did I. This fire of refinement over here, uh, you know, there's a story from four different ways. You look at it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the reality is, as Jesus comes, he gets arrested. They, they tie his hands. They take him to the high priest's house. And Peter and the other disciple, they're in the process of following Jesus. But the other disciple, he ends up getting closer. And then Peter hangs back into the courtyard of the high priest. So he's hanging out there. And he's hanging out with the temple police and the slaves. And it was literally at this charcoal fire. Anthrakia, that Peter fulfilled Jesus' prophetic words. In fact, if we want to go to the scripture text here, if you don't mind. Scripture just says, I mean, look at this, you guys. Then the slave girl who was the doorkeeper said to Peter, you aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? And he said, no, I'm not. You know all that he's experienced in his life? This is the guy, and he's denouncing who Jesus is. And so now the slaves and the temple police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. This is during the time of Passover, probably late March, early April. High temperatures probably in Fahrenheit would be 70. Low temperatures maybe low 50s. And so at night it got, it got a little bit brisk. And so all of a sudden, these guys, the temple police, the slaves, the servants, they hear Peter is denying Christ. Oh, yeah, you can hang out and warm up with us then. You're cool. You're fine. And then he does it again. That's the first time. And then the second time, he says, now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. And they said to him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? And he denied it. And he said, I am not. How dare you? In the other gospels, it says, I'm not with that Jesus of Nazarene. He even calls him out by name. No way. I'm not associated with, with Yeshua. And then the third time, around the charcoal fire, one of the high priest slaves, a relative of the man, <laughs> he was still mad, of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. <laughs> Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Peter then denied it again. No, that wasn't my sword, and that wasn't your cousin's ear. That wasn't me with Jesus. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Let the fire of refinement begin. But you got to understand something. In order to go through this process to that process, I'm going to add another little one. His identity is in Christ. Do you remember this? In order to get through this, here's what I'm going to say. When people go through this refinement, I don't know how they do it without Jesus. I do not know how they do it. He's the only hope we have of getting out of this and getting to that. Otherwise, we stay in this posture of a victim of defeat all our life. And Jesus doesn't want you or me to stay here. And so this fire of refinement, it's, it's, really, not, it's really not fun. And so let me just tell you this, some of the points, you know, it's really obvious what Peter does is one... Uh, don't, don't get comfortable with the enemies. Like once you start falling into flesh, don't stay there warming up your hands. Get out of there. Or you're like, no, I like this. I should stay here. No, no, you shouldn't. 
Don't get comfortable with the quote-unquote enemy. Not look, let me just understand something. You know, when we say the enemies, it's those that were against Christ at that time. Obviously, Jesus says, pray for your enemies. I'm not saying flee the world. Somebody will say that. I thought you loved people. Mark 14, 71 says, he gave into the pressure of the enemy by denouncing Christ. I don't know this man you're talking about. Now, interesting enough, the other disciple, he kept going during the arrest before the Sanhedrin, those that were testing and obviously putting Christ on trial, but Peter actually stayed back. It's a weird text, but look at this. In Matthew 26, it says, Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. You know what's really bizarre about this on the fire of refinement? It's all of us would say we know Jesus, but I just need to stay my distance. That's really the game we play, some of us in the church. The fire of refinement, you already know what you've done, so if I can just say I'm coming, let me be real plain. I can come to church on a Sunday morning, I can still be a part of church, but you can still play distant. Somebody, amen? You can, my row over here. That's the reality, is that a lot of us play this game at a distance, and you want to know why we call it a religion then? It's a relationship. He wants the closeness between us. And Peter decides to say, you know what, I, I'm okay staying back. He said, no, no, you come near to me. If you want to go through this process, you got to get near me. Here's what's interesting about this, and this is where uh, it's super vulnerable. So in the process of what I heard in 2001, God has been opening up some interesting doors. And in this process, I've been going overseas, working with certain folks for the sake of uh, security, we'll just say Middle East. And in this process, I've been interacting with some high government officials, and I was specifically at a meeting. Now, you got to understand something. Some of you have no clue who my wife, uh, wife and I are or what we do. We just, we love talking about Jesus. We love sharing the gospel. I mean, we were in St. Louis. Selah and Jude and I were in St. Louis. There's a guy standing right there. He had a, uh, like this walker, and he clearly couldn't even walk. He was such in pain. And the Lord just said, go, go pray for this guy. So I jump out of the elevator. I put my hand in the elevator to hold the elevator, and I start praying. I forgot that the elevator was going to close in my hand. <laughs> and literally, like, I'm, I'm, this is kind of a weird part, like it didn't even phase me. Because my heart is so much for sharing the gospel. My heart is so much articulating the death, burial, and resurrection. Like, I will run through walls just so I can see somebody share the gospel. Like, we love handing these things out in countries, anywhere in the United States. Like, that's just how we're wired. But there was one meeting this last year that I forgot. Uh, I've been praying for years to connect with certain folks, and uh, we had developed a really unique relationship on an interesting high level. And in that time, I said publicly, out loud, don't worry, I'll never share the gospel with you. That might not mean anything to you. It crushed me. Why, why would I even say that? Why, where would that even come from? Except that all of a sudden I realize who I'm standing around. And if I'm standing around them, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't talk about the Lord. Look, God's trained me all my life. And at one moment I caved and I told this guy, I'm not going to share the God. What do you, where did that even come from except that it's the flesh? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Look, a lot of us have great intentions. And then you do something really dumb or stupid or like not from the Lord. And you're like, where did that come from? And then you know what? You know what happens? It's a downward spiral, and you even forget who you are in the Lord. Peter had that opportunity to stay here, and I'm just going to tell you, there's a phrase up here, sifting is really, really painful. 
Nobody likes to go through this process of being refined, letting go of this stuff. And my pride completely got in the way, so much so that I wanted to connect with this guy, connect with his country. In order to connect with his country, I said, don't worry, I won't share the gospel with you. Well, that's, that's not from the Lord. And instantly, I got charcoal. Instantly, I, I got the word. What? I don't want this word, God. You have it. Could you just put me in the place of Peter denying Christ? And I said basically the same thing. If anybody was to predict in my life, would you ever say that? I've said, no way. So in this process of sifting being painful, I had to work through it. My wife and I have to work through this. Like, what does this look like in order to actually uh, heal? Okay, there's a list up here. By, uh, there's, by no means is this anything like of a perfect list, okay? Uh, Reverend, I don't even know this guy, but I like the list. Reverend Coleman Tyler. One thing is, is failure isn't final, okay? And failure doesn't mean you're a failure. Some people are like, you should never use the word failure. Look, I felt like a failure. Nobody can else denounce how I felt. That's how I felt. I've been working all my life in a ministry and hearing from the Lord, and then one moment, boom, I felt like I completely turned my back. Uh, the only time you can't afford to fail is the very last time you try. I love that. Don't get stuck in a rut like that. Uh, failure, failure doesn't mean you've accomplished nothing. It just means you've learned something. Well, nobody likes those lessons. But that's how God speaks to you. God speaks to you through the fires of refinement. Another layer here is this failure doesn't mean you're a fool. It just means you've made a costly mistake. Look, People get into this language in church language, okay? I hear it all the time in the academic settings. Don't call it a mistake. Look, it was. I can call it what it was. I completely bombed. Anybody else have another word for that? Don't, don't say anything. I'm still working through it, okay? But th this is my point, though. And here, failure doesn't mean you don't have what it takes. It just means you got to suck it up and persevere. And do things differently next time. Like, don't say that next time. And then finally, I like this one. Failure doesn't mean you're inferior. It just means you're not perfect. You know what that means? You can breathe. It means you don't have to worry about like acting like you have it all together. Because I promise you, we play that game. Over and over and over. And then you know what it is? You're not finding your identity in the Lord. You're finding your identity in whatever you said. You're finding your identity in who you are as a job or as an occupation. Christ, Christ says, no, 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 Kyle, I came to set you free from this stuff. Yes. This fire of refinement, uh, it's painful. Sifting is painful, but I want to tell you a verse. When, when, uh, if you would, would you go uh, back to Luke 22, if you don't mind, Leo, for me? Luke 22, 62. I've actually never really processed this verse, but I get it now. After, after Peter sinned, look what he did. He went outside and he wept bitterly. Here's what the question that you really have to ask yourself. When you're functioning in the flesh, does it even bother you? If it doesn't bother you, you're way too comfortable. If it doesn't bother you that you said something, uh, you know, maybe insensitive to somebody, or maybe you just, can I just get into some things? Maybe you, you started cheating in your taxes. Maybe you don't really care about, you know, paying certain bills. If these things just start building, 
I mean, I, I have no tie to this church in this regard. Maybe you're just not even doing any tithe to the church. Because you don't think that, that's fine, nobody will notice. Like, I'm telling you guys, these are things of the flesh. And then over time, it just starts to build and build and build. But man, if this really would bother you, I'm just going to tell you, it will do this. And that's why this year has been really hard for me. One little sentence has completely rocked my world. And I'm not a big fan of it. And so in this process, this is what I love. Look at Jesus and how big he is in Luke 22. I mean, this is absolutely incredible. Jesus gives another prophetic word. He says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Now watch this. Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Now watch. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. You know what this means? He doesn't stay in the position of the fire of refinement. He actually turned to the Lord. The problem is, I'm, I'm utterly convinced where Satan has the church is we all think we're victims of something. We all have these labels of... You name it. I believe God can heal you from depression. I believe God can heal you from your addiction to pornography. I actually believe God can heal you from whatever issues you are dealing with. But if you play this game, no, God can't, then you're okay staying at this fire. Do I believe that God can release me from one sentence that I said to a government official so that I can experience freedom? Absolutely. So how does this look? How do you turn back to the Lord after you've done something that you think can never be redeemed? Let me just say this. Some of you have gone through a divorce and you're still carrying that pain because maybe you're the one who messed up or maybe they messed up. I don't know. I have no idea what the scenario is, but you're holding on to this. You're never going to experience freedom. Now let's go to the next text if we can. Here's some practical ways. One is, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That doesn't say some unrighteousness. It says all. But why is it that we think only denominations or only certain religions can do confession? Just because you've accepted Christ doesn't mean you need to ask that you don't need to ask for forgiveness. We all got to be free from this stuff. Yes. And really, since the beginning of this year, I've been asking the Lord to burn off the chaff. And it means being real with the Lord and with your family and with your friends. And it's no fun. I actually had a, when Aaron asked me to, to preach a while ago, like in my mind, I had a whole different message. And it was not one about me revealing my sin. <laughs> Oh, yeah, let's go. Sign me up. Because here's the cool part. In Galatians 5.1, Christ has liberated us to be free. Stand firm then, and watch this, and don't submit what? What does that say? Again, to a yoke of slavery. Why do we are the dogs that go back to the vomit? It's the same picture. Are we that silly that we like, oh, I like this better over here. I don't want to live in this place again. And then yet, at the same time, I'm like, it's actually... It's freeing because I had to go through something in order to get to this point. Let's keep going if we can in this process. Uh, <laughs> David, you know, he said, God, create a clean heart for me 
and I want you to renew a steadfast spirit within me. David cried out. Peter cried out. So can we. There's a video I want to show, uh, some interactions that I've had in Wisconsin, Mississippi, Florida, and London, and it's all people just like us. I'll tell you what, life is messed up for me right now. Dad, I've been a Christian for 20 years. Glory to God. And I've had a messed up life. And I just, uh, no matter what it is, I'm like one step away from total insanity. But I love the Lord with all my heart, and He sustains me. I stay within His presence all the time. I worship. I've seen too much. I know that God is real. I don't struggle with my faith. I, I just struggle with his, his timing. You own a Bible? I do. I feel like it's something that's holding me. You know, I was just praying, walking through the house, saying, Lord, how am I get out of here? I was just asking that. You've heard this truth. Mm -hmm. You believe this. I know you do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know what? you got to embrace it. Okay. The Bible says if anybody is in Christ, He's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Your future's in the Lord. Fast is the past. I'm scared about that because I believe in God. And the Bible says that those who know the truth, they will be the first that will have to, to support the consequences. You know? And I'm trying to go back because my life had changed since I left the, the faith, you know? Do you believe that Jesus died, buried, and came back to life? Do you believe that he's your Lord and Savior? Yeah. Okay, good. Do you read the Bible often, ever? Yeah. Um, like, just about every morning. Yeah. A little, uh, you know, Bible app on my thing. Uh, you, you have to, you have to continually, continually be about, be about just don't don't play the, the part just you can't just say that oh yeah i'm christian you gotta walk walk that way that's right and when you do <laughs> Gosh, man. ever assuming thing i mean you talk to the lord you pray to the lord i mean at what point did you ever say jesus i need you to be in charge of my life i say it a lot but then i always backslide do you believe that Jesus has truly set your sins free? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I just keep on feeling it. It's just like, just do it. Just do it. What's just... Just do what? Just trust him. Just trust him. Just everything that you know that's inside my heart that I can't say. I know you know it. Just please, just forgive me for it. Lord, please help me to give up everything that's bad and come to come back to my life that I had it with you. And please help me to bring my family again with you. I know that you're here because I prayed for you to come here. <laughs> you're not. I have no idea. So I really believe these folks are uh, uh, 
They're us. We just happen to find them on that day, out on the streets, in that community. It's us. If we were really honest about, hey, how can I pray for you? And you started sharing some of this stuff, we all want to be set free from that. And I think that's kind of the beauty of all this is that Peter had hope that Jesus was in the redeeming business. And in fact, it's interesting. In John 21, there's a verse up here. It says, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. Remember this? I'm going to go to the second fire. The second fire over here is this. This is the scenario. These guys are in a boat. Jesus has died. He was buried. He came back to life. And in this process of coming back to life, Jesus shows up multiple times. And now here we are in John 21 at the fire of restoration. And the next thing you know, Peter's on a boat and his buddy John goes, hey, I think that's Jesus. And what does Peter do? He, he jumps in and says, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around him for he was stripped and plunged into the sea. Why did he jump into the sea? Why did he jump into the lake of, uh, uh, of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee? Because he wanted redemption. Can you imagine carrying this weight of knowing that you have denied your best friend, the Lord and Savior, and you haven't really necessarily even had a chance to interact and talk? Yes, he's had a couple of times, but man, he's ready for this to be released. Some of us today, whether you're watching online or listening in here, you're ready for this release. And you know what happens? <laughs> a lot of us think we can do it on our own. But you know how it started? Jesus said, come on. Jesus is calling you to come to the fire. And so what does he do? <laughs> well, I think the other guys thought Peter was crazy. But if you want to keep on going to the verses here, if you don't mind. It says, but since they were not far from the land, about 100 yards away, the other disciples, they came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. And there, when they got out of the land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Can you imagine what Peter thought when he saw a charcoal fire? And this time, Yeshua standing around the fire. I don't know if you've ever been around these things that are called triggers. Uh, we have a quote here of a trigger from the University of Alberta. A trigger is something that sets off a memory tape or flashback, transporting the person back to the event of her or his original trauma. Peter comes up to the Sea of Galilee. He sees a fire, and maybe, just maybe for that split second, where did his mind go? Back to the place where he denied Christ. And that's what happens. The enemy does that constantly to us. He takes us back to the place that he brought defeat. But Jesus says, no, I've overcome that defeat. And he's inviting you to the fire that will change your life. You with me? Does that make sense? I like this. Triggers are very personal. They're different things trigger different people. A person may begin to avoid situations and stimuli that she or he thinks triggered the flashback. Some people don't go to church in America because you don't know why? Because they've been burned by the church. Their equation of who God is, is based on some crazy that did something weird at a congregation when you were 12. And then therefore, your view of God is that crazy standing on a chair. And therefore, you think of church. Those are triggers. Those are traumas. If you hear a fire truck, all of a sudden, maybe something tragically happened in your family. If you drive by a hospital, maybe you're thinking of a loved one. Whatever it is, there's a trigger. Okay, uh, this is, I'm just going to roll with this, okay? Just, can you just close your eyes for five seconds? Nothing weird. Holy Spirit, I'm just going to ask right now, would you just show us some of these trigger points in our life right now? Holy Spirit, just show us. 
Is there an area that's preventing us from being restored? In Jesus' name, amen. If I did a survey right now, we could probably start unloading right now. We don't like to because that means I have to be transparent. You want me to share my junk with you? You want me to share the stuff that I'm carrying with you? Look, we all have a fire of refinement. Here's what you have to ask. When you pictured that place, that trauma, that trigger, whatever, whatever it is that's getting in the way of you fully being restored, you got to ask one question. And I see this all the time. I want you to ask, where is Jesus? Where was Jesus at that time? Do you, do you think that when Peter was denying Christ, do you think that Jesus wasn't there? In fact, Christ was actually getting ready to go through trial. So what? So that he could give up his life so that this stuff can be free. Does that make sense? So you have to picture Christ. Where is he? And so we might do this a little bit later. But when you're dealing with these trigger points, you guys, you're not alone. But I think we act like it. Jesus wants to restore you. I mean, isn't this an awesome picture? Interesting enough, a person will react to a flashback trigger with an emotional intensity similar to that of the time of trauma. Sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell. Who does not love the smell of charcoal? Please don't admit that. It's awesome. And it takes you back to a really good place, hopefully. But for Peter, not even the case at all. And I think what I want to encourage you with today is, is that he wants to set you free from those triggers. Because those are the things that are getting in the way of you experiencing full freedom with Christ. One of the reasons I'm convinced that we don't share the gospel. They've done studies after studies. Pastor Aaron has even talked about this, about why people don't actually share the gospel. I have my opinion. I think it's because we're still in that fire. I think we still live in a place of, I'm a victim. We still live in a place of defeat. And if you never understand that he has overcome all that for you, you have no desire to tell anybody else. I will run and run hard because he has set me free. And I want people to experience Isaiah 61 and Luke 4, the captives will be set free. This is not a shameless plug, but it is. Uh, Our church here does inner healing. They do prayer for deliverance. People that are carrying things they don't know what to do with. Can I just encourage you to be a part of that here? They'll walk you through this process from here to here. Crazy enough, you know how we know that Peter was actually restored? In John 21, it's at the very end, this is an unbelievable picture, John 21, 18. John 21, 18, we know that after Jesus, okay, is hanging out with Peter in three different times, right? He reaffirms him, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. He's overcoming what the enemy meant for good, what meant for bad. Jesus says, now I mean this for good. Does that make sense? What what he's implying is that the enemy tried to do something and then Jesus just trumped it. He loves to do that. He loves to restore what the enemy tried to take away. Please don't live in that position. If you do, you really don't understand or you don't want to embrace what he has to offer. Peter, he got it. So much so in John 21, 18. Look what Jesus says. He says, but when you grow old, 
You'll stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. So what happens? He's going to walk out as a martyr. The denial that Peter ultimately said he didn't stay there. They say maybe 80, 67, 68, under maybe the Emperor Nero time period, uh, maybe even the time period of Paul. Who knows? We're not really sure. But we do know that Peter, more than likely based on this verse, died. And there's an old tradition that says he even maybe died upside down on a crucifixion. You know what that says to me? God can take anybody and restore any situation and use him for God's glory. So yeah, this has been a hard year. I've, I've actually, I've cried probably more this year than I have in a long time. Because I know God's getting rid of stuff in order to use me freely for him. I want that for you. I want to encourage you in this area. And so as the worship team comes, comes up, if you don't mind, I, I'm going to ask, and look, this is always weird. As they come up, they're going to get their stuff ready and they're going to get all in their place. I want you to stay with me for a second. We have two fires, a fire of uh, refinement and we have a fire of restoration. I promise you, somebody needs to be set free of something today. I know uh, my wife and I have gone here for long enough to know Sometimes we have people respond to the word of God. Sometimes we don't. It just depends how the Holy Spirit, I I don't want to miss this today. I don't want to miss the fact that you could actually come to the fire and say, Jesus, I I just want this to to be gone. How many believe he can set you free like that? And so here's what I want to do. This is not an emotional thing. This is a Holy Spirit thing. He can speak through your emotions. But if if you're just sensing like, Man, Kyle, that's totally me. I just, I need to let go one thing. It doesn't have to be drastic. It can be drastic. All I'm going to ask is, as they're doing worship, could you, if this is you, would you just come and give it to the Lord? Like actually submit to the Lord. Peter wept outside and he cried because he was so sick of his flesh. And my prayer is, is that the Holy Spirit would release us from functioning in the flesh. And all it takes is just a simple step of obedience saying, God, I'm, I'm done. I want this to go. And if you want to, you're welcome to come up to the altar. Just give this to the Lord as we go before him in worship.